Alright, School of Bible Exegesis, that's where we are at again today. We began that last week, studying the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. And I explained that um, Colossians was written first by Paul, and then he wrote um, the Ephesian later after that. Uh, for those who don't realize it, the main reason why Ephesians is before Philippians and before Colossians in your Bible is just because of volume. The arrangement is kind of based on just how which book is bigger, not anything spiritual. Are you getting my point? All right, so let's not uh, miss that point. All right, that's how the letters of Paul were gathered together. The longest one was put first, and the smallest one was put um, um, towards the end. That's just the way they did it. Now, so um, that's why we decided to start from the book of Colossians. And before I say that, let me just say, remind us of another point I made. I said there are three kinds of letters that Paul used to write. Some of them were personal letters. Some of them were occasional letters to local churches. And then that is in those ones, he was responding to certain needs that that particular church had. And then the last one is the, the last group. Three of them we said personal, locational, and then the general ones that are for everybody to read. And a good example of that is that book of Ephesians. So when you see books like Ephesians, you will hardly find anything specific. It won't be tech, talking specifically to any person. It will just be giving us general um, doctrines concerning the ways of Christianity. Now, so last time I said I would just start with that book of Colossians. And then, but you see, when I was getting my acts together, I realized that it would be counterproductive for us because of what I'm trying to do to finish Colossians and go to Ephesians. So you are going to see a thorough mix-up from now. <laughs> do you understand? And eventually, we will go down to leading with the book of Ephesians. Okay? Even though we started with Colossians, along the line, we hand the baton over to the Ephesian letter. And that will be our main thrust. Because if you look at both of them, if you look at both of them, there are many things he said in one letter that are repeated in the other letter. Just that one was tailored to address a particular problem somewhere, and the other one just talked about it generally for every Christian to know. So, for that reason, today, if you allow me, we'll just um, read from where we stopped in the book of Colossians. We'll jump some verses because my aim is to group some things, all right? If I find him talking about something here, and then say, talk about it later, I may jump to read that letter one just to add it together. And even though we'll come back to it later, okay? But what we are just trying to do, uh, we're not trying to do systematic, systematic theology. We just want to understand doctrine. That's just my own. That's my own purpose in this um, reading and these teachings. Let's understand doctrine. Let's understand what God says. Let's understand what the scriptures say concerning some things. Let's know the mind of God as he revealed it to Paul. Let's know the mind of God as revealed in the scriptures so that we will be able to um, you know, live in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, so we can bear fruit in every good work, and always increase in the knowledge of God. If we don't have understanding, Jesus said, you err not knowing the Scriptures, and therefore you do not understand the power of God. So that's the aim. So let's continue. If you have your Bibles, please open it to the book of Colossians chapter 1. I am going to read um, from around verse 11. The translation I'm reading is New Living Translation. There's a word I used last time. I forgot to... Use another word. That's what they call a paraphrase in Bible interpretations. I use the word interpretation, you understand? A Bible translation. But that's what, what I was trying to say. Anyway, the word that's used most of the time is paraphrase. Okay? All right, Colossians chapter 1. I will read again from New Living Translation. My usual translation is New American Standard, but let's just read the New Living Translation. Uh, let me start from um, verse 11. We'll just continue from around where we stopped. He said, we, we've read this one, but I just want to, you know, 
overlap it a bit. So we pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He said he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. And that is the saints. He said, who live, who live in the light? For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. If you read a more usual translation, let me just add that one. He said, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He now said in verse 15, back to New Living Translation now. In verse 15, New Living Translation, Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. That these are the things we can't see. God made them through Christ. He said everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ, he says in verse 18, is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. A more usual translation will say, the firstborn from the dead. So, that is for this reason, he is first in everything. That is, in everything I have said, talking about the creations, visible things, and invisible things. What are the invisible things? Kingdoms, rulers, authorities, things in the unseen world. And then, the things that we can see. He also said, even the church is his body. This Christ is the head of that church. And he is supreme, is supreme over all that rise from the dead. He said, for that reason, he's first in everything. That's what I'm going to say. In everything. Paul went through analyzing every possible thing you can think of. And said, Christ is first in everything. He's supreme over all. He said in verse 19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. That is the fullness of God. The Bible says was the Father's good pleasure for it to dwell in Christ. And through him, verse 20, God reconciled everything, not just everybody. The Bible says he reconciled what? Everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He now said, this includes you who were once far away from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And now he says you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Please, let me just explain this. You will see that Paul was describing what God achieved in Christ. In fact, let me just finish reading because it's good. We'll get a good flow of this because I intend to stop reading in somewhere in chapter 2. So get ready for me, all right? <laughs> we're just going to read for a while. 
He said, now you are holy and blameless as you stand before him. And he sees you in Christ without a single fault. But, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. If this thing that God is saying about you in Christ is going to be real, so if it's going to be real, you must continue in faith and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away. Don't enter, entertain any other opinion. Don't let anybody say to you that your sins of yesteryears are coming to find you out. Let nobody say to you that your, the curses over your ancestors, they are pursuing you till today. Don't let anybody say to you, Paul said, what God has done for you, if it's going to be real in your life, ensure you continue to believe this truth. What you believe it's what controls your life. If you believe what is true, the truth of God's word, the power in it will eventually be manifested physically. But if you let somebody else take you away from Christ, let me just say this before I continue reading. One thing you will notice, if you go through that Ephesians and Colossians, the two letters which I said are very close to each other. I said the book of Colossians was written specifically, all right, it was written specifically to address a problem that was brewing in the Colossian church. And what was that problem? All kinds of things were being mingled with Christianity. That was the problem. There were all kinds of people there. Jews were there, Greeks, mostly Gentiles, because I believe that because apart from the situation of the church, that is physical location, you will see later on Paul explained that even you Gentiles have been brought in. So it was not just a Jewish church. There were Jews there anyway, but there were also Gentiles. And they were bringing in all kinds of thoughts. They were telling people what they needed to do, all right, so that God will love them. They were telling people what they needed to do so that they would be able to contact the realm of the spirit. And there were all kinds of methods. If I say this, it would surprise many Christians. Many of the things we are doing today, they just fall into that category. People expect that if they fasted, all right, and gave offerings, God will hear them. You understand? Thereby, what they have done is to take away from Christ. No, that's a matter of fact. There are churches that are built on a mixture. They, some of them, I don't want to mention names now. They are not churches. They, are, they, are, they just are not churches. They can't be churches. They cannot be churches. Churches where people say offer animal sacrifices. I mean, are you people all right there? Yeah, it, it's true. I mean, and they put the word. I don't know how they manage it. You hear names like Sierra Church of Christ. And you go there, when you have problems, you offer sacrifices, animal sacrifices. What is the Christ in it? It should be a church of goats, church of chicken. <laughs> Do you understand my point? We mingle all of these things together. And we say it's a church. And then now what we have in modern days is church of money. You know, there's <laughs> the sacrifice. All of these things so that God may hear us. And Paul said, no, 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 no. Everything is in Christ. And that's what the whole gospel was about. That is that particular epistle. He wanted people to understand that everything is in Christ. If there's an ozone layer problem on the earth, it was solved in Christ. If there are meteorites heading for this earth, trying to crush it to pieces, which they try to threaten us with every time you watch television, they'll say there is um, uh, maybe Schumacher living nine. There's a particular asteroid called Schumacher living nine, all right? So don't think I'm just kidding. There are times I'm kidding with names, all right? But that one isn't real. There's a particular asteroid called Schumacher Levy 9, all right? So they have different words. They never label them after the astro, astronomers that discovered them, all right? Okay, no. It can be confusing astronomer or astrologers. 
Astrologers are mystical people. Those are spiritual things. Astronomers are physicists, all right? Are the people who observe the stars physically. So they, know, so they tell that there's a particular one. It is um, currently uh, maybe... Sometimes when you hear how far it is, you say, why are you telling me about it? <laughs> it's supposed to... It might collide with the Earth in 500 years. <laughs> so you look like, how is that my problem? <laughs> So we have to preserve the earth for the generations after. And if you ever saw, there's a particular film uh, that uh, Bruce Willis starred in. All right, he and his uh, fellow, uh, they used to drill for oil. They knew how to drill. Anyway, the scientists found out that there's a particular asteroid that was coming to hit the earth. And if he impacts the earth, that's the end of mankind. Because really, those things pack a lot of punch, all right? If they hit maybe one or something that you think is just about... Uh, uh, a big boulder about the size of um, maybe Enugu diameter. If it hits the earth at a bad spot, you would think they, they threw in 20 nuclear weapons at the same time because of the speed with which it's coming. You know that kind of thing. Now, so they said, okay, they needed to go and land. This was a massive one, and it was going to hit the earth. So they needed to go and intercept it and blow it up. And because it's so big, it's so big, and you have to be careful to shred it to pieces because and for, if you remember your... If you remember your physics from secondary school, those of you who bothered to pay attention when you were being taught, I, I paid attention, right? So I still remember. They say if you, if you broke a flying uh, projectile into pieces, one of the pieces will continue in the original trajectory. If you remember that. I still remember that, and I didn't know why God did it like that, but that's how it is. So it was in that film also. So they had to break it so that anyone that's remaining coming down towards the earth, they'll be very small. So that they'll burn up in the earth's atmosphere. The only way to achieve it was to drill into that asteroid and then plant the nuclear bombs deep inside so that it would shatter the thing to pieces. That was, that was what the film was about. You understand? All right. <laughs> no, that, that, that's just the thing about the film. So, you know, those are things that are against the earth. You know what the Bible says? Let me tell you, Christ is good though. Amen? Amen. If I am the one that watched that, I will look at it and I say, don't worry. Unless we are continuing our sins. Otherwise, God has reconciled that asteroid to himself. That's what we said. It's in my Bible. He has reconciled everything, including asteroids that are planning to hit the earth in 500 years' time. And I'm, that's why I'm not afraid. When they talk about was in the, you know, global warming is going to kill everything, I said that's the problem when people don't read the Bible. If you read the scriptures, you will understand that God has reconciled everything to himself. So if you find things still going the other way, it's because mankind are denying the truth and they are not walking according to the truth that is revealed. But for those of us who understand it, he said you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. If enough of us will understand this truth and stand by this truth, all these things that they are telling us will never happen. That's a matter of fact. They will not happen. Not because the scientists don't know what they are saying when it, actually most of the times they don't. But even when they do, we have something, we have information that they don't have. And what is that information? That in Christ, God has reconciled everything to himself. So nothing will ever go against the will of God. That's what he was trying to say. Now, please, what am I emphasizing here? So people, when they don't understand this, they start bringing up all kinds of thoughts. Okay? And Paul was trying to explain to the Colossians, everything you require is in Christ. People say that if, God is, if Jesus is not listening to you, you talk to his mother. Are you getting my point? And then the mother will be able to help you and negotiate with her son. You understand? And they will now come down with human mindset. 
you know, earthly mentality. That, you know, mothers, you know, children, you know, mothers, children, you know, a son and a mother relationship. Let me not say anything. Because I have seen sons that shoot their mothers. I, yeah, that is a matter of fact. So don't just, let's not use common sense to, to, to subvert what God has spoken. God said it like this. There is no human being, whether it is his mother or not, whether it is his father, that is close to Christ in elevation. That's what he said. He said Christ is superior to everything. And if you ever want to talk to the Father, you have to come through Christ. That's what he's saying. And he now says something here, very, very important. We'll get to it in a moment. Okay, let me just press pause. Then I'll, get back to, I'll get back to it in a moment. So he was saying that verse 23, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. That assurance, don't drift away. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. And then just by the way, this is not the main message, I just want to drop it. Everybody has been appointed by God to do something on the earth. It's not just Paul. Every single one of us. We're not going to talk about that. In our said in verse 24, I am glad when I suffer for you in the body. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Now, sorry, please. There's something I think I jumped. Yes. Okay. I'm still reading, right? I'm not started teaching. Just I started talking. Okay. Because I realized I jumped this verse 18. I'll get back to it. Now, I said, okay, maybe before I go down to verse 24, let me just pass a comment about that verse 18. Yeah, it will be a good time. Now, please, just press pause for a moment. I was talking about that Christ. So, Paul now said something here. God has reconciled everything to himself in Christ. Everything that, okay, he said everything, all right, was made by him. And now he has reconciled everything to himself in Christ. Now, when he was talking about everything, he now said Christ, in verse 18, is also the head of the church, which is his body. Now, I want you to understand, to understand something here. The emphasis he was laying in my understanding, all right, is that church, the church is the earthly connection, all right, of Christ. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. He said Christ is the head of, every, uh, of everything. He now says also the head of his body. What was he trying to say here? The body is part of Christ. Are you getting my point? Yes, the body is part of Christ. What it means, therefore, that the church of Christ, if they understand their position on the earth, they are higher than any other human structure. I don't know whether you got that point. Yes, that is it. They are higher than any other human structure. Higher than any other authority on this earth. That was why, you know, Paul would tell you that a church can deliver a person over to Satan for destruction of the flesh. They have that kind of authority. Listen, there was a time that Elijah looked and said, except by my word, there will be no rain. You know the problem we have, the problem we have, the problem we have in Christianity is lack of understanding. If you see the way they talk about this Islamic threat, it's embarrassing to Christianity. It's, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. They talk as if the only reason why we exist is because Islam, Islamists have not remembered us. I know every little thing. Look, I'm going to stay, stay here for a moment, all right? So we'll go, we'll go back. Yes, because in Nigeria today, it's very annoying. It's very, very annoying. Let me just beg you again. Anytime they forward something to you, about uh, um, a Christian God killed in Zamfara. You will tell the person, Christians were killed in Jerusalem. What's your problem? And we are here today. 
Now, I'm going somewhere. Don't let anybody make you afraid. You say, kneel down and pray. Tell the person about what? No, ask simply, about what? Because the first prayer point will have been, God, the Muslims who killed that Christian, have mercy on them. They don't know what they are doing. But we don't pray that one. You know the way Christians react? Was it your son? Yes, you and Israel. I said, you know, the head of, you know, you have Khan in Nigeria. Then you also have the head, the, the Islamic people. They call the JNI, the Janmatus, and anyway, the, anyway, you know what I mean. The Sultan is the head and all of that. The Secretary General spoke the other day. I felt very bad. Not about him now, what he was saying. I mean, I was not angry with him, but I was angry with believed Christians, the way they react. He was just trying to refuse some of the things they said. And whether he's accurate or not, but you see, you have, you have to have a victor's mentality. And he was explaining the point that why do people turn everything to fight of Muslims against Christians? He said, are there no criminals all over the country? I don't know whether you get my point. He said, two men went, okay, they killed somebody. Why are you saying, just because they are Muslims and the other fellow is a Christian, who, uh, the other fellow is a Christian, who said it's a fight of Islam against Christians? The man was, he was, no, he was talking. He said, they said they killed somebody in Canada. He said, it is true. He said, but they said they beheaded the person. And they were kind of, he said, it's a lie. The woman was not beheaded. The one that they said they fought in Kano, you understand, that the man was stabbed because um, he was not fasting. They said it didn't happen in a beer parlor. You know, the, the way the picture was painted, the man was in his office, a carpenter walking. Then he took a break to eat. They now came and stabbed him there because he was not fasting. And the man was so upset, the way Chris, uh, journalists don't do investigation because they, before they write things. And of course, now, whether he's telling the truth or not is not my issue. One day somebody said something that uh, there was one day, um, um, there was one video that was going around. I don't know how many people saw that video. Of which a man was denouncing Muhammad. That Muhammad is this. He was insulting him up and down. I, you know, how many people saw that video? And they said, quickly watch it. They will soon remove it from YouTube. Did you get that thing? They said, quickly watch it. You will soon remove it from YouTube. When I saw it, somebody forwarded to my brethren's group. When I saw it, I, I replied. If you, know, you, know, you know my own attitude. I said, okay. Thank God for this man this video. I said, what has he said now to impress me about what? He, has, he said that now he does not believe, all right, anymore, that he's been deceived all the while as a Muslim. What, is that information for me to be sharing with you? A Buddhist said they now found out that Jesus is actually the Messiah. He's not a uh, Buddha. I said, okay, I'll be forwarding. Guys, 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 they have found out. <laughs> I don't, do you understand? Christians, no. We, the, the way we behave, eh? We behave like grasshoppers in their sight. Are you getting my point? He said we are like grasshoppers. So that grasshopper in their sight, what I'm talking about, a phrase. We behave as if we think we are grasshoppers. He said, quickly watch it, oh, quickly watch it, oh, quickly watch it, oh, before they remove the video. I told somebody, who cares whether they, they remove the video? Somebody in Afghanistan forwarded something that that thing is a fat lie. The man was speaking in Arabic. He was cursing Muhammad Morsi. The former Egyptian president. His fight was against Morsi. But because he was speaking Arabic, the man who was subtitling it lied to us in English. And you see Christians forwarding it up and down. But somebody, even before I found that one, I said, look, it makes no difference to me. 
It was one person that just sent another link. I said, we shouldn't mind that. It was a marketing gimmick for a book. And that book, the moment people watched that video, they started ordering the book on Amazon. The book was selling for like, based on a video lie. Because the man was speaking Arabic. We couldn't hear him, so they were typing what he was saying in English. And Christians were so happy to forward up. You know, like, yes, we finally found out at last that Jesus is Lord. I don't know whether you are getting my point. That is the mentality that's hurting the church. They don't have this victor's mentality. And that's exactly what Paul was teaching here. That, guys, this Christ that we said is the head of all things. You want to see him on the earth? Let me show you where he is. The church is his body. Are you getting my point? Please, let's never forget it. Let's have that winner's mentality. Let's not have this victim, they are coming after us mentality. I noticed something. You know, I talk, I talk, I talk about my friend Pastor all the time. I noticed that he has never, one day, just yesterday I thought about it. He has never, one day, forwarded anything to people. Please pray for us, we Christians in North. And he's in Sokoto. See, people that can't identify River Niger, River Binwe, forwarding things to you. They've never crossed it. They were born in Onicha. Grew up in Asaba. Went to school in Bini. Came back to Enugu. Occasionally went to Lagos and came back. All their life, Lagos to Harcourt is a straight line. Their whole career can be drawn on that straight line. Before forwarding to you what they are doing in Zamfara. The man who lives there has never forwarded one to me. I was telling you the other night, when he finishes church on Sunday, eh? He, in Sokoto, he will enter his car and drive four hours to Zamfara to go and preach and come back to his house in Sokoto at 11 p.m. He has never forwarded anything to me. Pray for me. <laughs> he has never. You think he hasn't seen things? He and I, we talk, we chat, he gives information, but all this panic that we are throwing everywhere is vic- no vict- victim's mentality. Let me tell you the problem. I'll keep keep teaching it. The problem. The problem in the church, the problem in the world, the problem in Nigeria is that the church people are too... I must find me a word now. Okay, you don't know what I want to say. All right. They are not serious. Let's just put it like that. I don't know what else to say. They are not serious. They are so concerned with, I must build a house. Me too, I must go for holiday in America. They are not living the life of Christ. They are not. That's why when, the, when you see them inside politics, you see exposure, disgrace. They hardly go into politics and say, I will return poor if necessary. Let me just stand there and declare the life of Christ that is in me. Let it manifest like Joseph. Like Daniel. Let them investigate me. And not find one like that. No. He too goes in there, comes back and builds a house. Telling me about Islamic threat. His pastor is just worse than him, you know. Twists the word of God every day to collect money. And they're telling me about Islamic threat. David Paulson said, listen. That the reason why God is going to give, well, he was speaking about UK. But let's talk about Europe. He said the reason why God is going to give Europe over to Islam. He was speaking about UK. I'm the one explaining to Europe. Is so as to purify the church. That the church only grows when they have threats. 
that prosperity doesn't let them think. Everybody just, just sitting down there be, be discussing whether we should ordain homosexual bishops. And it's a discussion. One day I went from all singles, you know, these singles program things they do. I don't know which, you know, I pointed them, I just, I pointed them with the program, but I, I'm done, I just call it single. But I went for one single of this singles meeting. And that was the topic of discussion. So the, the pastor who was hosting it said, okay, today, one, it was like everybody will ask questions, you give opinions. Say there's one guy, hypothetical situation, whether it's real or not, I don't know. They said that um, there's one guy, he's engaged to one lady. Christians are supposed to be. And that girl said, listen, no, no sex before marriage. And the boy said he understands perfectly and he's agreeable, but he, he's got to have it. So since she will not agree, he has found another girl that will be getting his, uh, you know, his uh, satisfaction from, his inoculation, his blood supply. Are you getting me? So that, that is now the arrangement. So the discussion is that what should she do? I told my friend, let's go. I said, so we have to discuss that one. I don't know what I get my point. I just looked at the guy and said, Laddy, when you are ready, because we came in his car. Laddy, when you are ready, let us go. And that, this is the program I've been hearing about. I've been hearing about, if you come for this singles meeting, the, the talk was everywhere. Me too. So when I saw Laddy, he had the car. This was those days. I didn't have one. I said, Laddy took him. He said, ah, there's this program. I said, okay, ah, I've heard of it. Though. Let's go. We reached there that day. You see that? When I head out, after the praise, worship, and everything, the person that came up and introduced the subject. I just turned to the lad and said, Oh, you are ready. I'm ready. The guy looked at me and said, Of course, by that time, everybody was coming up. You see, hiya! No wonder God sent Boko Haram. If you were God, wouldn't you send Boko Haram? When your children gather to be discussing that kind of discussion. If it was Paul, Paul said, all of you join your hands. We cast him over to, this, to the devil for the destruction of his flesh. Maybe his spirit will be saved. That's what they will have been discussing. Now what should she do? You are still standing there discussing. That is the problem with the church. It's not uh, Boko Haram. It's not Islam. There's no Islamic threat. There's none. There's only, we should be afraid of the judgment of God. That's what we should be afraid of. Of Islamic threat. The church is his body. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. When they are serious. When the pastors will handle this word the way, you know the way, have you ever seen a, a, a surgeon who wants to operate? Oh no, forget it. Okay, yeah, surgeon you can use. Or you find a pharmacist in his, um, in his, in his factory trying to pre- prepare drugs. The way they purify everywhere. Filter even the air that's going into where they're compounding drugs. The surgeon washes his hand as a rule. Now listen. The gloves that surgeons wear, they are sterile. Gamma radiation sterilized. You see, they put it there. Sterilized with gamma radiation. Killed off everything that can grow inside there. Sterile. But before he can wear it, he washes his hands from the tip of his fingers to his elbow three times. Under running water. Then wears a sterilized gown. Why? He wants to handle human medicine. We want to handle the word of life. We'll be handling it anyhow. We'll throw the word on the ground. Say, oh boy, word, come. <sighs> we'll take you raise money today. Pastor needs a new car. <laughs> we dirty the thing anyhow. They will not be saying there's Islamic threat. Listen, this Christ, he said, is the head of the church. The emphasis there 
being the fact that the church is part of that Christ. Let's have that mindset. That's my own. Don't worry. Listen, listen. If you purify our hearts, purify everything, walk in righteousness, and we just read Psalm 2. You know, people will just die around us. We'll be the ones say, God, the one we don't kill, don't do. I'm serious. I've told the story again and again of why MQ Abiola could not make it to be president in Nigeria. It wasn't because of Babangida. It was because some Christians said, no, not here. They, remember, they recall to mind his sins during the days of OIC. If you know the power that Christians have, sometimes they use the power of me, I'm afraid. I'm not kidding. Sometimes the way they use it, I start praying, say, Lord, is that the right thing to do? I told the story of one on campus. I didn't hear the story while I was there. It was shortly after. But this guy who told the story was in school at the same time as mine. He gave me the names. I, knew the, I know some, there's one of the pastors. If I mention the pastor in Portacourt now, one girl said she, she was girlfriend to a cult member. She gave her life to Christ. The cult boy said she, she, that he won't leave her alone. You know the way cult boys like to do. The girl went to church and went and reported. They joined their hands and prayed against him. He tried to cross the express road. A car knocked him down and he died. That was the end of his life. That's what the kind of power Christ has. Not this joke. You come to job using the word of God to raise money. The guy came and reported. The guy said, eh, okay now, boys, join your hands. They cursed him in the name of the Lord. He wanted to cross UBTH to go and buy medicine. A car from, coming from Lagos raised him up, hit his head on the express road. The boy died. The guy was free. Ah, one brother said, a court man slapped him. He looked at him and said, next year you won't be a student. That, the end of that year, the Williams woke up and rusticated all of them, dismissed that boy specifically. Because she looked at him and said, you slapped me. That's, this is your last year as a student in this school. Why don't we have power anymore? We are busy building churches, building this, building that, raising money, buying big cars. Now tell me Islamic threat. When Dasuki was harassing Christians in Sokoto, I heard the testimony recently. Archbishop Dasuki flew there and went and warned him. He did not listen. Abacha deposed him. You don't know how God works. The time one governor in Nigeria, all right, was making a duke. Listen, is a Christian. He was committing adultery. His wife went to church and reported. The elders called the sitting governor to come and come, come and answer the charge of adultery from your wife. He was doing shoulder like governor. The boys, they, they excommunicated him. The men in the church. Next day, trouble blew open in the state. Obasanjo kicked him out of seat. Because some elders gathered and said, this boy is very stupid because he's governor. I'm not kidding. That's the kind of thing we are supposed to be doing that way, that, that the church is like, it's like, it's like. Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> I will just emphasize something about verse 18. Forget the idea vex. It's just that, you know when you see the way Christians talk, every little attack against they forward it to you. Trying to tell you to pray, oh, pray, oh, pray. Oh. I say, you're not telling me to pray, you're telling me to panic. Are you telling me all these years, Muslims are not giving their lives to Christ? There's a book I have. Dreams and Visions. That's the title of the book. You see how Jesus... 
walking to people's homes in the heart of Islamic world and converting them. You find that's why I found Christians who go for Hajj every year. There's one particular guy. Every year he goes for Hajj. When they are moving around the rock, he's walking with them. And you talk to the person next to you. Do you have any problems you want God to solve? That one will say, Ha, Haba, I have. That's why I'm here. So I can pray for you. They are walking around the Hajj. Please, ah, please pray. It's all right. But what, I just need to let you know. The only name I know to pray in is Jesus' name, name of Jesus. Do you mind? They never mind. He said every year he goes for Hajj. Every year. He doesn't miss it. That's his own evangelism field. <laughs> look, look for the book, Dreams and Visions. Now you know that Jesus is not sleeping. All this harassment of the world, he knows why he's allowing it to happen. So the church shouldn't just sit down and be thinking that uh, they are weak people. No. No. Listen, go and read. <laughs> read that book. You will know that this God is, it, Jesus is not sleeping. He's indeed the head. He's supreme over. All this one, he just watched and said, don't worry. He just looking and said, don't worry. Very soon this will be over. Communism made more noise than this. I closed them up when I was tired. I just want, to, to, I want us to understand. Let's leave this, this, this victim's mentality. Victim's mentality. We are oppressed. We are marginalized. Is that, is that the headline I saw on the Sun newspaper today? Please, Christians never talk like that. Leave sinners to be feeling like victims. They are under. When you sit down, go to greet him, say, You are my friend. My pastor says, You are doing the kind of thing I should be doing. <laughs> don't, don't say, Yeah, Francano. I heard, ah, Alaji, God bless you. I heard you have been in the refinery in Lagos. Are you thinking about building a power plant in Enugu? Yes, this God don't miss in there. So, I told the man wanted to open a, a cement factory in Ebony State. The, <laughs> the natural resources that God gave to us, our children. Now, children go chop up. Yes, now they will eat it now. We'll have made the state rich. Build more massive factory there. The man last year only him pay fifty three percent of all the solid minerals income that federal government got. All the money federal government made from solid minerals, only him paid fifty three percent of it. That the rest of the country put together, they were not up to what he paid. Said him to for a boy put to let him <laughs> doing no, we will not be oppressed. Poverty will oppress you. Don't forget all of these things. Oh God! Please let us read the book of Colossians. Oh, <laughs> making Jesus look like he's hungry and weak. You know this Christ. You know, <laughs> go and read about him in the book of Revelations. It's an angry guy. In the book of Revelations, see him. John the Baptist saw him and did not recognize him. This was the person he used to rest on his uh, on his uh, bosom. That's John the Baptist. Ah, John the Baptist will have understood. It's John the beloved that we're talking about. John the beloved. The man, the man used to, you know what he made rest on the bosom? Like the way they used to eat those days, the way they recline. So he's the one that was closest. So they, because they didn't have straight chairs like this, they, they rested. So you see it in Arabian films. 
You know? So he's one that used to link closest to him. So he was the one that Jesus could tell things. Say, don't mind Judas. That money is not complete. It's Judas that took it. Don't worry, I won't say anything. <laughs> Only John knew. Because Peter knew. <laughs> <laughs> Judas for the fun. <laughs> The Lord is good. <laughs> Please, okay, let me preach this my Colossians message. When John saw Jesus in Revelation, he was afraid. They had to be telling him, don't be afraid. He didn't recognize him. The hair was different. The hair was white. He said, like wool. He said, the feet looked like bronze out of fire. The eyes were blazing red. A sharp double-edged sword was coming out of his mouth. And he held the seven stars, which were the seven churches, in his hand, one hand. John fear. The Muhammad will fear. Buddha is saying wrong. There's nobody that's not afraid of him. And he said, the church is his body. <laughs> the Lord is good. Let's continue reading. Where were we? Verse 24. Paul said, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. That is everything Paul was going through. It was just so as to bring the body of Christ to a particular point. He was trying to feed them with the knowledge of truth. He said, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. But now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. That gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Let me read it in a a common translation so you know the one we are referring to. He said, To whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. The riches of of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. So New Living Translation says about verse 28, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. That is, my struggle, my work, It's not by my own strength, but I depend on Christ's mighty power that works within me. In chapter 2, he wanted to emphasize that further. In chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Did you notice that? God's plan is what? Christ himself. Say, in him lie, hidden, 
all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so that no one will ever deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. Now I'm going to stop reading here for now. The other portion I want to read is um, the book of Ephesians, but let me just pause for a moment. Let me complete reading something in that Colossians. Quickly go down to verses 11 to 15. I need to read that. He said, when you came to Christ, we'll go back to the one we are jumping later, when we'll come back. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. It's a matter of fact. Paul said, the coming to Christ for the believer is circumcision. And not by physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God which raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against you and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Listen to this. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual powers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. How did Christ disarm all the witches that were against you? He said he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. That was how he did it. That was how God freed us. Now, let me just get back to where I said I wanted to continue from. Here we go. We have, we have many. It's, 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 it's school of Bible exegesis. Now, we should read the Bible, right? Okay. Open to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. We'll read it in a moment, but let me just pass a few comments. The book of Ephesians chapter 1. Now, I will not read that one from the beginning because that talked about the prayer. Well, I won't read the whole chapter I wanted to say. I will jump a few. And then read, let me read from verse uh, 1 to verse 12. Let's start from verse 3. It's all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. That word again, Christ, is showing up again. I hope you are seeing it. Even before he made the world, he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and he gave him great pleasure, that is, in doing it. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased, again, remember, our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. He said, God has now revealed to us his mistress plan regarding Christ. A plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everyone together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. That was the plan it had. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Remember that plan, all right? 
Now, God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, should bring praise and glory to God. Let me just stop here. And then I will um, read one more portion of that Ephesians. Yeah, go to chapter 2. And I said I was going to jump a portion of it. I read the first 10 verses. It said, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Now, the one we jumped is the prayer he prayed, which we analyzed the other time in the book of Colossians. So I don't want want to read it now. He said, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. He said God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Prosperity is not a reward for the good things we have done. Healing is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, his handiwork, he was saying. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let me just add that. You don't prosper because you gave. You prosper so you can give. Are you getting my point? That's what he was saying. 